So we're here at Marshall's with Liz for some holiday shopping. She's really nailing it this year, isn't she? Oh, yep. She's got a record player for Amy. A gorgeous cozy sweater for Jason. And some hot pink fluffy slippers for her sister. The perfect gift. Wait a sec. <gasps> She's getting a pair for herself. Well, with prices this good, it would be rude not to. You know what? She totally deserves it. Oh, totally. Happy holidays, everyone. See you at Marshall's. Fabulous brands. Feel good prices at, at Marshall's. Marshalls. Hey, this is Linda Cohn from ESPN, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. The ML Sports Platter back with you all over Google, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Deezer, iHeart Music, and of course, Amazon Music. Go ahead and download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review. If you're confused on how to do it, just find your podcast icon or search how to do it. For example, on an Apple phone, you'll find the purple podcast button. Tap that, hit search, type in ML Sports Platter, hit subscribe, and all of the episodes get delivered right to your smartphone device. You can hit me on Twitter at Mike L Sports. The platter is a part of the Brawl Network. Make sure you get them on Instagram and Twitter uh, as well at Network Brawl. The episode here brought to you by our good friends at Bryant and Stratton College. For every and in life, Bryant and Stratton College, two and four-year degrees are starting now. Two great locations in and around the central New York area as well. James Street in the city and in Liverpool. Make sure you go check out bryantstratton.edu as uh, it's a great time to be uh, to be a Bobcat. They just launched a new nursing program. Uh, they've added some new employees lately and just really on the up and up every single day at Bryant and Stratton College. A big thanks as well to Hides of Liverpool, Sit Means Sit Syracuse Dog Training, and our good buddies over at the Vince Aguera Consulting Group. Well, my next guest is a part of that aforementioned Brawl Network. He does a terrific job co-hosting Chargers Brawl, that podcast on the major platforms as well. And he's also a former Chargers columnist for Bolts from the Blue and on Twitter at Jake T. Hefner. Jake Hefner, welcome aboard, buddy. Great to have you, man. Doing fantastic, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Justin Herbert, I love. How can you not, right? The big, strong... uh, Big shoulders, IQ, the pro style offense from college, all this other sort of thing that you hear the sort of things that you hear the experts talk about. And it's funny because it wasn't that long ago when the nation was captivated from a college football standpoint by Justin Herbert. And then we fell in love with Tua. And then we get caught up in Joe Burrow. And those guys are on the national championship stage and all the like. And Herbert just kind of trickled away. And now here we are. And and he's could be a, a generational type quarterback when you watch him play what do you see you know there's so many things that was during the pre-draft evaluation process of herbert that i didn't quite get the reason that he was getting knocked for whether it was his downfield accuracy or his uh you know being able to adjust under pressure i i didn't get that and I'll admit, I, I'll be the first to admit, when it came down to it, when you started asking the Chargers fan base, myself included, who would you rather have, Tua Tungabailoa or Justin Herbert, because that was the choice that we're, we were basically sitting at, uh, at at six overall last year. Majority of it was Tua. And that being said, you know, I didn't understand the amount of hate that Justin Herbert was was uh, was getting. Like you said, if it wasn't for the standout season that jo- that Joe Burrow had, or that Tua Tungavailoa had, we would probably still be talking about Justin Herbert as the QB1. And in 2019 and 2020, uh, 
or excuse me, 2018 and 2019, he put up very respectable seasons and did this with so many personnel and coaching changes. And when you think about Tua, I mean, look at the weapons that he had in Alabama for him to have the season that he had. And same goes for Joe Burrow. But I can tell you this, nobody, not one person, could have predicted that we would have seen the rookie of the year year that Justin Herbert had in 2020. Uh, it was just absolutely unbelievable for him to come in the way that he did, literally on a dime at last minute notice for Tyrod Taylor, and then to go out there on the big on the big stage, go up against the Super Bowl champs at that time and the Kansas City Chiefs, and to then progress throughout the rest of the season and finish up breaking the touchdown record and just seeing him improve by a week by week basis. It looks like the sky's the limits for this kid, and I can't wait to see his career develop. So the Chargers have the unfortunate situation of having to play the Chiefs twice every year. They play in the same division. (laughs) You've got Mahomes. They've already got a Super Bowl. They've been to two. Uh, They're going nowhere anytime soon, obviously. And they're the team everybody's chasing. The Ravens are chasing. The Bills are chasing. The Chargers are chasing them. Uh, uh, The Browns are chasing them. I mean, everybody's chasing the Kansas City Chiefs. What do you think the Chargers are doing currently, Jake, in free agency? Uh, What do you think they'll do in the draft and beyond to chase Kansas City, try to, you know, cut them down a little bit here? Well, number one, as far as the first priority of this free agent period to go this year, it was all about protecting Justin Herbert. Uh, Justin Herbert was just constantly running for his life back there. Uh, It's amazing when you start looking at the offensive line grades that each one of the Chargers offensive linemen had last year that Justin Herbert was still upright. But it it was of paramount importance that the Chargers go out and protect their future franchise quarterback. And I think they've done that this far. thus far. You get Corey Lindsey by making him the highest paid center in the league. You add very nice value additions in Matt Feeler and in um, Ode Abouche. Um, and if you don't believe that, you know, go ask the Cincinnati Bengals how they felt in having to deal with their quarterback going down at Joe Burrow last year because of a lack of offensive protection. So that was that was definitely priority one. But as far as contending with the Kansas City Chiefs goes, <laughs> it's just such a Rubik's Cube. It really is. Whether you're trying to build an offensive juggernaut to go out and contend with them and, you know, the final score ends up being 45-42 or you're trying to come up with a defensive scheme to at least – take away you're never going to be able to actually stop their offense but just somewhat limit Travis Kelsey a little bit more or Tyree Kill a little bit more or find a different way to get pressure on Patrick Mahomes which is pretty much ridiculous in its sense anyways because he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league as it relates to pressure goes but uh you know I think I think when it comes to this Chargers team there are a lot of good pieces that are around on both sides of the ball you have Derwin James coming back this year which is he's one of the better safeties in the league when it comes to covering tight ends i.e. Travis Kelsey so you definitely have a lot of holes to fill defensively but um with this new coaching staff with Brandon Staley with Ronaldo Hill with Joe Lombardi I think they're going to be able to put up something creative, offense or defensively. It's going to be interesting. So, by the way, uh, Corey Lindsley, never to be confused with Mike Lindsley. So, you know, we, no. we, our, our name is only a, a D away from being exact on the last name side. Corey and Mike <laughs> a little different. But um, I think he's really going to help him. And I've been a big, big fan of his throughout the years in Green Bay. You know, it's amazing. Aaron Rodgers... I hear so many people, so many football pundits and talk show people and all the the heads around 
the country with Aaron Rodgers. Man, he just doesn't have what you know all the other quarterbacks have. He doesn't have weapons. His line's always this. And I'm going, are you kidding? Corey Lindsley was a very, very, very good center for them. Valdis Scantling, uh, Devontae Adams. Maybe people have heard of Jordy Nelson. I mean, it, it goes on and on. They just, you know, signed Jones for, I mean, they gave him the big money. He's had plenty of weapons. Um, but what do you think, talking about that weapon in terms of Corey Lindsley, what, what do you think he'll be able to do instantly for Herbert? And that that is an important connection, as you know. You know, having the center and the quarterback, uh, the Bills with Mitch Morse, they went out and got the former Chief and, and Josh Allen, and he have a great relationship. John Feliciano uh, can play center if, if Morse is hurt. He's buddies with Allen as well. There's a major, major chemistry uh, that's developed with them as well. What will it take for those two guys to kind of click that way, Lindsley and, uh, and and Herbert? Do you think? You know, you look at this with Lens with Lindsley signing, and I immediately thought of an old school Chargers center named Nick Hardwick when I when I heard about this. And um, you know, the Chargers unfortunately go through so many recycled linemen that just feels like on a year to year basis. You know, number of different combinations all across the starting five every single year because there's always somebody that's getting injured. And we've gone through this. You know, we had Dan Feeney as our rotational center slash guard from when we drafted him four years ago. Um, I really was always a big fan of Scott Questenberry at the time. I wasn't really sure why he wasn't getting more of a starting opportunity. Uh, you go back beyond that, we had Mike Pouncey. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. other than one year, he ended up succumbing to a lot of bad injuries that ended up ending his career, unfortunately. And, uh, and the list goes on and on from there. Ever since the days of Nick Hardwick, before he retired, that center position was pretty much on lock when he was on this roster. So it's been a long time since the Chargers have had a veteran presence like that. And I think, you know, knock on wood for the health aspects, if this ends up panning out, this is going to be a great thing, not just for the Chargers line, their protection of Justin Herbert, but overall Herbert's development. Because as you had mentioned, you know, the, the connection between the center and the quarterback, you know, you're, the center is essentially your general out there yeah. calling out all the protections, giving the notifications to the offensive lineman of where the, the blitz is going to be coming from. So this, this is a huge piece. And some people may say, you know, it was a high price tag, but you know what? Some positions you go out and you get the best, and when it means twofold of protecting your uh, franchise quarterback for the next 10 years, this was a great start to do it. No question. Well said there, Jake Hefner, our guest here on the ML Sports Platter. He and I are teammates, of course, on the Brawl Network. He co-hosts the Chargers Brawl podcast, a former Chargers columnist uh, as well for Bolts from the Blue. He's a must-follow on Twitter, at Jake T. Hefner. you, you get around the league a little bit here, you know, and, and everybody plays copycat and the Patriots dynasty ends. They're probably trying to start another one. We've seen Belichick spend a ton of money in free agency. People have tried to copy the Sean Payton stuff. Uh, we had the Wildcat at one point. Teams tried to copy that. Uh, now we're in just a crazy offensive explosion type of a thing. Um Really everywhere. And the Chargers and Bills are no different. The two teams that you and I talk about the most So it leads me to this question. As we've gone through the years, we've gone through the the systems and the coaches and the players and and the next thing for everybody else to copy. And and obviously when you win a Super Bowl, a lot happens there too. Everybody wants to win one. They start copying you. What's the thing in the NFL right now you think going on that the Chargers will pick up or copy to try and get better? That's a great question. Uh, 
this is interesting because I think with Brandon Staley coming into play for this defense, number one, the defense I think is going to shift. It's not entirely going to move from a 4-3 to a 3-4, but I think you're going to be seeing more of that 3-4 scheme that Staley ran in, uh, in, in when he was there as the D coordinator in Los Angeles. I think offensively, though, that's what I'm really interested about because there's been so much talent on this offensive side of the ball for years. And there's a lot of players that aren't even on this team anymore that we're not even given their real fair shot at succeeding. You know, you have players like Tyrell Williams for one year. He was spectacular in this offense. Travis Benjamin didn't end up fizzling out to anything when he came over from Cleveland. He was basically just barely even used two years ago. You see the Chargers sign the likes of Joe Reed and K.J. Hill, who were barely implemented in the offense last year. I think with Staley coming over, you're going to see a much more creative dynamic to this offense. You add that with what Joe Lombardi did during his time at New Orleans, is having Drew Brees and learning under Sean Payton and what creative offensive schemes that they get a chance to come up with. So I think the potential to be faster and more explosive offensively is, I think, one thing that we're going to be very surprised about with this offense. So there's a guy by the name of J.C. Horn, who I know you've been retweeting some things about this guy. I've been, my eyes have been on him for months. He's he a, had a day. Dude, this guy is a freaking stud. That's that's it. That's all you can say about him. I know our buddy Mike Brez from the Brawl Network has, has said great things about him. I mean, in the mock drafts, people have him, you know, as high as 15, 16 at this point. I'd love for the Bills, even if they got aggressive, to if they had to trade up to get him, to put him opposite Trey White. Uh, I don't know where you think he'll go. Um, the Chargers are at 20. They're in an interesting spot because that's in that world of J.C. Horn. The Chargers need a little bit of help on defense, right? Am I am, am, am I onto something here secondary-wise? I mean, would you... Oh, yeah, would you Would you... Gosh, I know that some people are liking other players for, for for the Chargers at 20, but man, Horn seems to me not only a great fit for the Bills, great fit for a lot of teams, but the Chargers, if they were to get him, I think that would be a big, big deal in the first round. Well, thankfully, the Chargers pick 13. Oh, that's so, right, 13. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's I think it's the Bears, our own Mike Brez, that still picks at 20, if I'm, if I'm correct. Um, but as far as the, the Chargers goes at 13, man, oh man. Yeah, by the way, you're you're right. I was looking. There's multiple drafts, and I actually have one mock draft up here by Ryan Wilson, who's got him reversed. So I misspoke oh, he on that. I, I, I maybe, was maybe it was a trade. Down no, scenario. no, 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 because the other two have the Chargers at 13. So it, it's oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I was reading. You know how it goes. You read and you talk and oh, two different. Course. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> continue, continue, please. It's all good. Yes. Yeah. So at 13, man, oh man, did J.C. Horn make himself some money today? Unreal. Um, I, for the longest time, and this, of course, it's so funny how this whole dynamic has changed this week when you add in the likes of the Caleb Farley injury that he ended up succumbing. Now is having to have a second back surgery. And then J.C. Horn, just a couple of days later, goes out and just blows the roof off of his pro day performance. I always had it up until this week that it was always fairly was my cornerback one certain and horn were very close and I would kind of give the edge to certain at that aspect because I felt like his tape was a little bit more consistent than horns but when I really look at it now horn is a better scheme fit for what the chargers run and 
when you see just his physical attributes, his attitude towards the game, the way he plays on top of him just being a freakish style athlete, if you were to combine a guy like that with the athleticism that Michael Davis has in the Chargers secondary, Hmm. oh, that would be nasty. I know that I I am of the majority that are of the... Uh, belief that the Chargers should take offensive tackle or bust at 13, but J.C. Horn just made that decision a little bit tougher. Yeah, because man, if you get if you get a lockdown corner, and, and you're, we know what those defensive ends can do, uh, and, and and you're not leaving guys on an island that much. You've obviously everything go. You know what it is too is you you've got it, it's just a domino effect, man. I mean, if you've got if you have a major pass rush, or if you have a couple of tackles like Saragossa and Saragossa and Adams with the Ravens and letting Ray Lewis and the crew, you know, run wild, Peter Bulware and all those guys, and and then the secondary takes over and nobody's really on an island. Then you also happen to have an Ed Reed who's everywhere anyway. Everything just goes hand in hand with the defense that way in terms of stopping. Hello offenses, hello, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, to which I'm looking at this defense, man, and I'm going, holy smokes, if they get like one or two pieces, you put them with the DNs, you put them with the versatile linebackers, you put put somebody like a horn with those type of players, man, that, that, all it does is just add to being complete on that side of the football. 100%. I mean, it's it's very rare that you get cornerbacks that go out there as you said you know the, the, the cornerbacks that can you basically leave on an island are you know few and far between in the nfl but when you combine that with a pass rush that has a joey bosa i think cheddar nuosu is a guy who can break out and take over uh you know for melvin ingram spot i've always been of the belief that good pass rushing duos can make mediocre secondaries look really really good and I, I feel that this is totally one of those type of situations with the Chargers that they don't have a great secondary right now. I know they got Derwin James, and which is great for that safety spot and for that secondary, but you need a little bit more pieces to support what you have now in Michael Davis and uh, and Nasir Adderley at the free safety spot. Um, so you need a couple more pieces, but again, if you can generate a pass rush, your DBs do not have to do that much mm-hmm. to where they can succeed. Yeah, there's no doubt. A couple more quick questions for our good buddy, uh, the co-host of the Chargers Brawl podcast. Terrific show. Go get it on Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. Jake Hefner on Twitter at Jake T. Hefner. Uh, some league-wide questions, and then we'll close. Jake, I'll let you run. I appreciate you doing this. Um, the first one, though, is is Charger connected uh, to a degree, and, and it has to do with Drew Brees. I mean, he just retired, probably go off to the NBC. Well, he is going to go off to the NBC booth. Um, I mean, look, what a career. I don't know if there's ever been an NFL player, an NFL quarterback, an athlete ever that's been as important as Drew Brees to New Orleans in terms of Katrina saving it, the Superdome, them winning, his charity endeavors. I mean, the whole thing with Brees in New Orleans has just been remarkable. But he was a Charger. How will you remember Drew Brees as a quarterback? Man, oh, man. You know, Brees as a quarterback, it's so strange because at, during his tenure in San Diego you know he was not that guy that he was in New, ended up being in New Orleans after his uh, surgery that he ended up having on his shoulder due to the injury yeah. I mean he was good he was coming into it it seemed like you know it was it was a year or two away with the offense that the Chargers were developing behind LT and Antonio Gates and then if you were to add in the Vincent Jackson and Malcolm Floyd duo that they had back in the day that offense with Breeze could have 
equally succeeded the way that Rivers was able to do it with. And it, it may have even been better. But it was a very strange situation when he got hurt. It was it was almost like a Bledsoe-type Brady situation. But with Breeze's injury, it happened in the final game of the season. Nobody knew what was really going on. The Chargers had, had Rivers sitting now for going on two seasons when they had drafted him in 2004. Now you're coming up to the 2006 season. And the Chargers released him. I think what everybody forgets about the Drew Brees situation is that there were two teams only that were looking into bringing Brees in for his, uh, to be their starting quarterback. It was the Miami Dolphins and the New Orleans Saints. Yep. And the reason being is because the doctor said there was a there was an uncertain chance that he may never get the throwing power back into his arm that he once had. And it's amazing, by the way, it's amazing that people get this wrong. Nick Saban wanted Drew Brees. People think that it's the other way around. No, 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 no. He wanted Drew Brees, and the doctor said no and all the rest. And I had to tell you, I think about that all the time. The course of history, Brees, I remember him, obviously, as an amazing all-time quarterback. What a career. But I remember him as a pioneer for the shorter quarterback, kind of leading the way for others. Oh, yes. But the biggest thing with Drew Brees, man, is I always think about if Nick Saban you know, gets his wish, gets Drew Brees in, in, in Miami, where are we at right now pro football-wise? Oh, the Saints, are they not there? Uh, Alabama's not the dynasty. I mean, those are the things in sports that are just incredible to go back and think about. Yeah, it is amazing when you start thinking of all those type of connections of what could have happened if it went another direction. And it's so just it's it's just so crazy for Breeze that not only did his strength come back, but he was like the six million dollar man, right? Who basically they made him stronger somehow, and <laughs> you see the power that he was throwing the ball with down downfield and with the accuracy that he was doing it. Like you said, he was a pioneer for the shorter type of quarterbacks. You know, if it wasn't if it wasn't for his success. Would we be seeing that from the Russell Wilson, the Kyler Murrays, mm-hmm. you know, all these shorter type quarterbacks, the Baker Mayfields adding to that? It's it, it was just remarkable. And, you know, for, for Breeze's standpoint, I'm so glad that he ended up getting a Super Bowl um, and he had a tremendous career. And for what he did for New Orleans was nothing short of uh, phenomenal. Hey, what's your favorite Charger color combo, by the way? I forgot to ask you that earlier. Oh, hands down, always the powder blue. Easy, right? Yes. Yeah, but is it like is it the it's the powder blue? But you know now they've got what they have the white. I can't even keep track. They have one helmet. Is that what they're doing? Uh, you know they got a variety of the, different helmets okay. for, their, for their color rush, and then right. normally it's just it's the white for the powder blue. Sure, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's the, the look. The white helmet with yeah, white helmet a la nineteen sixty one oh. powder blue Chargers jerseys. That's the one. Yeah, no doubt about it. Tom Brady does he end with seven? Does he end with eight? How many appearances does he have in the Super Bowl? I mean, this is this freaking guy, man. I mean, it's it, it's unbelievable. It, it really is. It really is. And trust me, I, I probably can't talk to you as a Bills fan and and talk about you know it, it's almost like a New York Yankee type of syndrome. It's like, oh God, it's this guy again. Here we go. You know, it's for what he did to the AFC East for the better part of 20 years, I won't even get you started on that standpoint, but th- this is, this is ridiculous what he actually is doing. And, you know, nobody thinks that he could do it up to 43 and he goes out there and not just outperforms Patrick Mahomes, but just absolutely slaughters him. The defense had some stuff to do with that as well. But uh, for him to put on that type of performance, especially when you have a defense like that, I'll just say this. It would not surprise me if we're talking five years from now in 48, 
at 48 years old and Tom Brady's still in the league. At this point, <laughs> I've given up trying to figure out when this guy is going to walk away from the game. Yeah, there's no doubt. All right, final one for you. We're coming up on the NFL draft. People are losing their minds. People love the mocks. People love to overanalyze. Uh, you know how this thing goes. It, it, there, there's nothing quite like the NFL draft from a, a, a craziness standpoint. So I ask you this question. And everybody loves it, but to a degree, I kind of, after a while, I kind of get tired. I get exhausted, right? Do do you think the NFL draft is more overrated or underrated? You know, I think it just depends on what your level of interest is. Hmm. So, for example, for me, I'm glued to the TV set for three days. I don't care if it's the seventh round. <laughs> I enjoy watching these guys get yeah. selected, having that moment, and even for the undrafted process. Then it becomes like a you know a little mini shopping spree that that takes place after the draft, and you go out and you find out that your team signed sixteen of these undrafted free agent guys, and everybody starts looking up for them. I don't think it's either or. It's just it's an event. It really is just a big event, and, and this is probably one of the reasons that the NFL is regarded as you know the, the top sport in the USA, is that you have this type of excitement for this young, new generation of players. You don't get these type of guys that you can say that was an Austin Eckler type of situation mm-hmm. as an undrafted free agent or an Antonio Gates type of undrafted free agent that comes out and starts putting up these type of careers. You don't see that a lot in a basketball type of scenario or even a baseball type of scenario. It's very rare for either one of those sports that guys that are taken that late end up coming back and having, you know, career, career type seasons and career years. So, um, you know, for me, I just look at it. I, I think it just continues to grow year by year. And I always get excited when it's draft time, as, as well as obviously everybody else is. Like you said, everybody's going berserk right now. But um, it'll be good to have the draft format back live with people, with the players to experience that type of atmosphere again in Cleveland. I can't wait for April 29th. Yeah, it's it's going to be amazing. And um, it's it's crazy because of the, you know, look, if you're good, you're good. Doesn't matter where you play. Small school, big school, Power 5, non-Power 5, LSU, Miami of Ohio. If you're good, you're good. Uh, and, and and some of the greats in, in the game, like Walter Payton, you know, Jackson State, Mississippi Valley State, Jerry Rice, Coe College, Fred Jackson, Louisiana Tech, uh, Terry Bradshaw, you know, some of the North Texas, Mean Joe Talk Green. about it. Yeah, right? It's just wild. I mean, you, you go on and on. The list is endless with guys who are in the Hall of Famer, who had Pro Bowl-type careers, etc., who, who came from super, super small schools. You know what? How silly of me. How can I let you go without asking you how... I asked you about Breeze, but but how will you also remember Phillip Rivers as a quarterback? Oh, man. I, I can tell you a quick story about Phillip that Please I do. witnessed. That, uh, this is the type of stuff that, unfortunately, the media really doesn't get a chance to see unless you were there. They won't broadcast this on TV. But this is the type of person Philip Rivers was when he wasn't slinging a football around. Everybody knows the the brash, cocky, you know, albeit PG trash talking Philip Rivers that was out there, the competitor. That's him. That's definitely him. But I remember it was it was it was probably the final, not the final practice, but during the final training camp of the last year that the Chargers were in San Diego. So we were out there, parts of the media, this is back when Mike McCoy is still the head coach of the team, and normally just the order goes as such, the head coach speaks, 
and then Philip Rivers' quarterback is right after him. So we go to the area after practice is over. We're asking Mike McCoy a couple questions. He's, he wraps up. Everybody starts looking for Phil. So they're like, well, Phil's not available right now. He'll be available in you know, the next 30 minutes or so. So we go around. We're doing interviews with some of the other players. We're talking to them. Hey, is Phil back yet? No, no, no. He'll, so he'll, he'll, he'll be ready in like another five minutes or 15 minutes or so. So come to find out, Philip Rivers is on the field. And I don't know if this was a church youth group from, from his kids or if it was just a church youth group that came to see them. But Philip Rivers is on the field. Instead of talking to the media, he's on the field throwing a football with kids from this youth group and a bunch of nuns. And not only does he do this after practice is over, he does this for an hour after practice is over. The media still hasn't spoken to Philip yet. And not only does is he throwing passes and interacting with just them, he walks them all the way to the bus, basically says goodbye to them, thanks for coming out, and then an hour later, basically when all the media is pretty much wrapping up, does Philip come over and say what he needs to say about practice that day? Those are just some of the type of things as far as a person goes. Philip Rivers was an absolute class act, nice guy, you know, humanitarian, a very giving person. And um, it's so funny just to see the, the dynamic of him as a competitor and then just him as a person when he's not throwing the football around. And uh, it, it was it was one of the best things I had ever seen just from any NFL player in general. That's an awesome story. Well, keep up the great work, Jake. Again, Jake Hefner, our guest, terrific stuff, at Jake T. Hefner on Twitter. He is the co-host of the Chargers Brawl podcast, all a part of the Brawl Network, thebrawlnetwork.com for more information as well. The former Chargers columnist for Bolts from the Blue. Jake, thanks for talking some Bolts and some uh, uh, AFC West and the Chiefs and some NFL in general. We'll have to connect as we keep on uh, growing this thing, the Brawl Network. It's been super exciting to jump on with with you guys, and uh, thanks for the time, bud. Absolutely, Mike. Thanks so much for having me on. We'll do it again soon. The ML Sports Platter brought to you by Stanley Law Offices, Rosie's Corner, and our good friends at Ken's Auto Detailing, Route 11 Cicero. If you're in and around Central New York, go take your car, your truck, to get it detailed, man. In and out, wax and wash, full detail. You drive away, and you literally feel like you have a brand new car. Ken's Auto Detailing, the official detail shop of the ML Sports Platter. Also want to tell people out there, a lot of St. Bonaventure alums listen to me, listen to the pod, uh, just check the percentage of people in Ole in New York. It's pretty high, probably off of some of my interviews uh, leading up to the NCAA tournament game against LSU. Make sure that you go ahead and visit the Sports Locker. Uh, they have great Bonaventure gear, the A-10 Tournament Champion shirts. They have uh, uh, the Conference Tournament, the regular season ones as well. So make sure you get on over to the Sports Locker if you live in Olean or if you want to shop online anywhere in the United States, just go to sportslocker.biz. That's sportslocker.biz. Got a nice partnership with the NL Sports Platter here, and they are the official Bona Apparel Store of the podcast. So thanks so much to Matt and the gang for uh, doing that, and they're crushing it out there. You can get a Bona box, you can get trophy and awards made up, you name it, it's there. St. Bonaventure basketball gear across the board at the Sports Locker, the official Bona apparel store of the ML Sports Platter. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Lindsley on Twitter at Mike L Sports. The ML Sports Platter is a part of the Brawl Network. As I always tell you, enjoy the games. Thank you.
Snow falls on an old apartment. Inside, the holiday season is in swing. On the first floor, cokes are poured and stories shared among friends. Three flights up, one generation passes down the family recipe to the next. Inside every home, there's magic. Coca-Cola. Real magic. Enjoy the real magic of the season with close friends, family, and refreshing Coca-Cola paired with all your holiday meals. Lowe's Provember event is happening now through November 24th. It's the perfect time to shop GE appliances for all your properties, like the GE side-by-side refrigerator and the GE dishwasher with active flood protect. Durable and reliable, you can always count on GE to deliver the long-lasting performance you're looking for. Available today, shop the full line of GE appliances online or in-store during Lowe's Provember event, now through November 24th. Lowe's, the new home for pros, U.S. only. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.